Hello, this is Agoro, host of the Agoro Show, and you are listening to the Steve and Crypto Show. So keep your ears open and your mouth shut, shut. Hey, welcome to the Steve and Crypto Show presented by thestevestrout.com. I'm Steve. Yeah, um, there's no crypto. Crypto is not here today. He's off on a uh, family excursion to the wonderful, family-friendly Las Vegas. And that's, <laughs> that's a good place to go. But no, he, he's off for like a family reunion thing. So we have a special guest to co-host. He's... Uh, he he's been on the show a couple times. Like I, I think uh enough to the point that if we ever start making money on the show, we're gonna have to start paying him. So we'll have to we'll have to think about that in the future. But we have a writer friend. He his recent book is uh Tell No Man, and he also wrote the scariest book set in Utah, according to the New York Times, I believe it was called cry down dark that was a few years ago a great book um i know he was super hyped about that remember we had him on on our i believe it was our halloween special a couple years ago tell us about that and he was pretty hyped to be on a list with a lot of his pairs and and uh inspirations and i don't know if he has idols but i think if if he did there's probably a couple on that list (laughs) of writers but uh, we have TJ Tranchel. He's here to hang out with us. What's happening, man? Hey, Steve. Oh, you know, the usual. I'm glad to be here. You know, I used to live in Las Vegas for a while, so I know that crypto's probably getting into trouble. Yeah, well, I mean, he got the, the kids with him. They're two that doesn't five. Matter. It don't matter. No. Oh, you know, there's daycare. Yeah. yeah. You just stick them somewhere and they'll be fine and then come back later. As long as you remember where you left them, that's all that counts. I would just, <laughs> I would just pay like, strippers to babysit them or something hey they got kids too yeah they, they know how to do it <laughs> they got kids they got kids and student loans and stuff to pay off well extra change won't hurt um yeah he should be back next week but uh reason i wanted to have you on was uh recently you got to do something really cool that a lot of us who love horror and our our horror nerds would be pretty hyped to, to have uh happen uh you have an article published in fangoria magazine i do the april issue for this year just came out a few weeks ago Uh, if you get the subscription copy it's got jenna ortega from the film x on the cover and if you get the newsstand copy it's got one of those sweet velociraptors from the new jurassic park i did not write about either of those things (laughs) so uh quickly what's the the article about I took a stab at something a bit older and sort of under the radar. And I wrote about the two prequels to The Exorcist that were made in the early 2000s. Uh, it's a pretty fascinating story that two versions of basically the same story exist. And so they're like, yep, go do that. And I did. And it turned out great. It's a nice five-page spread with some really good artwork and i'm pretty stoked about it so how how did it come together did you pitch it 
to Fangoria or? It's a really funny story, actually. Um, I was watching one of the movies on a streaming service. I don't remember what service. Like it, they pop up every now and again on the different different platforms. And so I was watching one of them and I made a Twitter comment about how neat it was that these two things existed and that, you know, nobody's really talking about it anymore. And the Fangoria editor liked my Twitter post, which is always pretty cool, you know, when somebody like that, you know, recognizes your existence for a moment. And then I made a dumb joke and said, I'd love to write about these things if you know a place followed by a winking emoji, ha, 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 right? Yeah. Like, just taking a shot at something that would never happen. And so he responded with a gift from the original Exorcist that just in long on the bottom had no. And I was like, okay, well, that's the end. But then he messaged me and he said, like, I can't take pitches on the main because I would be answering those all day long and that's all i would do would be telling people no yes please write that and so we went through the official channels after that and he wanted it for print instead of the web and so we i cranked it out and talked to a couple people about the movies and had my little 1200 words and then i just got to sit back and wait and so it was i think i made that post last october actually and so now it's april it came out in april so it was a pretty long process for something like that but it was a lot of fun working with them and then seeing the art that eventually came out with it was just an absolute blast so that's how that happened it's one of those things that's like never gonna happen again and probably won't happen to anyone else especially after they hear this story right. i keep hoping that like he's not listening because they don't want him mad at me for telling yeah. the story because <laughs> yes. i want to be able to write more <laughs> but also it's a great story like it's a great it's, classic it's pretty, writer story it's a so. cool story you love those stories about people that like get some kind of success from something and how it just like falls in their laps in a weird way or just yeah you know i mean ultimately it was still up to me to produce right like and i think that's the worry with things like that is you tell these random people yes to things that they never actually finish projects yeah. and so i did because it's like well this is my shot like i grew up with fangoria fangoria and i are the same age and we both came out in 79 and there was that brief time where Fangoria was gone. I was like, I'm never going to be in it because it doesn't exist anymore. Um, but the other fun thing that didn't actually come up in any of our discussions in the process of the article was that when Fangoria was revived in 2018 and they had like this volume two that they have now, um, Phil, the editor, had said that he would choose someone from the first crop of letter writers for the postal zone, their little letter to the editor thing. Right. And give them an assignment. And I happened to have a letter in that first issue, that first volume two issue. And I unfortunately didn't track things enough to figure out if he ever 
picked somebody else. But if he didn't, he did fulfill the pro- that promise eventually. Nice, nice. That's that's definitely an honor. That's that's exciting, dude. Um, have you gotten any feedback? I haven't. Like um, in the backs of the issues, they put everybody's Twitter handles, and I've had a few new followers, but also Twitter's pretty rough right now, and so maybe some of that hasn't caught up yet. Um, but the good news is, even though I haven't like gotten any, hey, that was cool feedback, other than from people that I already know, I haven't had any negative feedback either. <laughs> I haven't had any random, random people swearing at me for ruining their movies or <laughs> saying bad things, because those two movies aren't as good as they should be. That's why there's two of them. And so, you know, I haven't had any of that negative reader reaction either. So I'm just going to, like, I can live without the good stuff if it means I'm not getting any bad stuff. Well, the issue's only been out, what, a couple weeks now, so. Yeah. It'll it'll start pouring in. Maybe. (laughs) Yeah. We'll see. I'm ready for it. I could take it. Fingers crossed for the positive, though. Right. Just be like, how dare you? disrespect the man who wrote the scariest book in utah like the balls on you yeah right yeah but that's cool that's fun man i'm I'm actually excited for you um you know we go a little ways back and i'm honestly i'm proud dude because that's cool man it's like my buddy's in fangoria right that's how i feel i still feel like that's like me really are you sure and like, what's cool is every time somebody else posts something about it, um, like another one of our uh, Pacific Northwest people who happens to work at a Barnes and Noble also made a post and the current publisher owner liked that post also. And, you know, so people see it and more people see different people's posts. So every time it gets out there, you know, it gets a little bit more, a little bit more of a, a view. The hard part, though, of course, is that the way Fangoria is running right now is that if it's in the print magazine, it's only in the print magazine. Right. And so it has that kind of exclusivity. So it's like, I can't just link out the post to a bunch of people because it was on the web. No, this is print. This is the only place this exists right now. Yeah. And so that's cool. It'd be great to share it more, but also that ex- exclusivity is pretty sweet. Right. Um, so honestly, personally, if it was me every day, I'd probably pick up my issue and thumb through and just be like, oh, look, that's my article. <laughs> At least twice a day. The good news is that I have a subscription right now. So I have, I got the subscriber version in the mail when it came out. And then I got the newsstand version sent to me as a contributor's copy. So I have both of them. Very so cool. all the interior stuff is the same. It's just that front cover yeah. that's different. So, yeah. so I got both of them, which is great because the Jurassic Park cover is a little more viewer friendly. Right. Whereas the Jenna Ortega cover, you know, it's got her screaming her head off with a broken finger. Yeah. It's pretty gruesome because it's yeah. Fangoria and, did, you know, it should be. Did you actually... Uh get to see x 
I did. I liked it, but yeah. I don't necessarily want to see it again. Right. So Any. It, was, it was fun. Um, but yeah, whew, they didn't hold back. No, it got a little, a little the off. blood and the violence and the awkward old people sex. The awkward old people sex is what got me. <laughs> <laughs> the blood and violence, you know, we we're used to that. But old to, people having sex, uh, no, yeah. oh no! Ah! And it wasn't just like it wasn't just like assumed, like oh they're in there having sex behind that door. No, it was like you saw. No, there's some wrinkly motions out there. And like yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was that was really like you know the, the girl got her finger smashed and everything, but. That wrinkly ass going up and down was one of the most <laughs> frightening things I've ever seen in a movie. It's great that a movie like that got such a wide release. Yes. That's what's awesome. Yes, that's what I've I've been talking about that for through the whole pandemic. There's all these these horror movies getting these big pushes and wide releases is only good for yep. it can only do good for everybody in the the industry you know writers podcasters bloggers just yep. uh, studios everybody and, and there's still great new original stuff on the streaming services but just that experience of the theatrical release like i know there's a lot of negativity about it because there are a lot of crappy people out there who seem to have the agenda just to ruin a night for everybody else mm. but when you get like a really good fan base i think there were about about a dozen people in the show that i went to for x and everybody was into it um, yeah. a few people didn't stay through the credits unfortunately and i feel bad for them but everybody else hung tight and you know they were into it yeah, I, I think that's been a, I've noticed that more of the last uh, handful of years, people staying through the credits. Like back in the day when we were younger, just movies over by. But right. like, ever since like Marvel started dropping like post credit stuff, everybody started hanging out longer. I think yeah. that's part of it. And just, it's cool. And, you know, and, and without spoiling anything for anybody, just to know that there might be something. Yeah. And there was. And it was awesome. Yeah. So if you still have a chance when you're hearing this, go see X, see it on demand, whatever. Yeah. Watch the whole movie. That's what I did. <laughs> Watched it on demand. Didn't get a chance to make it to the theater, but uh, kind of wish I did now. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, could you imagine Except watching that with like a bunch of other people? <laughs> yeah. The awkward, yeah. It probably get away. It must have got weird during the the sex scene. I didn't have anybody sitting near me. We were all pretty spaced out, so yeah. so that was good. Yeah, just groans or something. <sighs> <laughs> yeah, but it's all yeah, part it's... of the experience. But anyways, uh, <laughs> congrats on the the Fangoria thing. It's it's a. Uh, Maybe down the road you'll write a story about the old people's sex scene <laughs> ten years I, from now for Frank. Maybe like retrospective on <laughs> wrinkle ass. Wrinkle, wrinkle ass. That would that would be a good horror movie in itself. Just wrinkle ass. 
here's our next our next slasher icon this ass. guy's wrinkly we, ass we'd play wrinkle ass uh, anyone <laughs> anyone. Just, just take a good makeup job liam neeson liam neeson completely wrinkle ass <laughs> his oh my god he has a special set of skills a special man. set of skills <laughs> and a great wrinkly ass to... <laughs> oh man if this <laughs> that's disturbing that's disturbing <laughs> well um on my last episode i need to get away from wrinkle ass but uh, <laughs> yeah my last episode i had the owner of Nightmare Toys, which actually is based in Vegas too. Uh, they have a popular online shop and everything. We had Christy from there. She came on and told us about the shop, which was really fun chatting with her and hearing the story of how she started in a little shop in Alabama and moved to Vegas. And now it's one of the biggest horror merch and toy and collectible retailers, you know, online and in their brick and mortar store, which is pretty cool. Um, I know where to go next time I visit. There you go. That's it. Seems like a place to go. It, it, it's it, like it's like a destination. Like, there's, nice. if you look on YouTube, there's hundred people got videos of their trip to Nightmare Toys. You know, touring it and stuff. It's it's cool, man. It looks like a cool shop. They got it all like huge murals on the outside of the building, out front. And mm. she was saying they even got like the bathrooms painted, like. <laughs> People That's go wonderful. in bathrooms taking pictures and selfies and stuff. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like, how is taking selfies in the bathroom without murals? But okay, <laughs> sounds cool. But yeah, that was what we did last week. And this week, I am beyond excited. Um, you know, I've been doing my horror host uh, series here. And we have a, we call him a living legend. He's like an icon. He it's coming up on his 50th year mm. of being performing on screen as Count Gore Duvall. We have uh, Dick Dizel, the actor. He started, he was one of the longest running uh, Bozo performers, Bozo the Clown. No, I didn't know that. That's he awesome. That, he uh, created a character called Captain 20 that was like a sci fi kids show. And this was all in the DC area. And and uh, Count Gordoval, he, he actually there was a point when he was performing all three characters. Mm. And if you know about how old, you know, TV work, local television, how they produced all this content and shows, it was it's it's work, man. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. I can't even think of the words to, to imagine trying to put in those days, putting together, producing, writing. You know, yeah, three. that's the kind of work that you think you would have quit doing a long time ago. 50. Yeah. I haven't done anything for 50 years because I'm not that old. <laughs> yeah, like I it's it's hard enough to be out of bed for an hour, like let alone <laughs> making producing a show for 50 years. But he's been doing it as Lord of all coming up on 50 years. Um, he was the first host to do uh his show online like when the online boom started he first got to do that and that launched how many horror hosts are out there on youtube and everywhere now because of count gore he's inspired That's a lot awesome. of people man like uh the writer uh steve niles yeah he you know he's been interviewed and, and talked about how 
growing up watching Dora Duvall in the DC area, like inspired and helped create his love of horror. So, you know, we, without this dude, we wouldn't have the work that guy's put out. And just, right. That's awesome. It's cool, man. And he was awesome to talk to. Uh, definitely. I felt privileged and honored to have, you know, an hour with him. Right, especially if he's got that busy of a schedule. Obviously, he's probably not doing three shows anymore, but he's semi-retired now. He produces his uh he actually built a studio in his basement. Oh, that's a perfect his, place his original his crypt studio is in his basement now, and he goes uh I guess he films in batches for like a month out and releases an episode a week. And it's pretty cool. And he actually has uh I don't know if you have a Roku device. He has a Roku channel. Oh, that's great. To Count Gordeval presents, and every month he releases the four episodes on there, so you don't have to watch it online. Because I know <laughs> I'd rather watch it on my TV than on my yeah. computer screen. You know, but we're so blessed right now to be able to get not just that kind of stuff, but also to be able to dive into archival material of these kind of people and be able to track some of that history because that's what it is it's cultural history and i mean that's why the elvira book was a bestseller because it's part of our cultural history and it's not just dorky nerds in their basement living at their mom's house you know it's part of our media literacy it's part of our history and to have a guy like that still around now is absolutely amazing and still into what he's doing instead of being like oh no i did that when i was a kid and i don't do that anymore yeah no it's it's uh when i had uh lord bloodraw the the horror host on a month and a half two months ago he was telling me about a conversation with uh john stanley who was in the bay area he's a horror host legend and he 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 made a comment about how the horror host is it, it's an american folk art it really is just cool it is an american thing that it's and it, it's just sad that so many of these performers when they were doing it you know all the legends they're all their they're they didn't have all like digital filming and everything back in the day they like right. reuse film so all majority of their footage is gone it's like lost yeah. so we need conversations with people like Gordon Ball and and other hosts to keep like the, the legacy and, and to teach people yep you know, I, well, I would hopefully like they're see. redoing some of the stuff that they did back then obviously in a more modern sense and after years and years but still being able to retouch on some of the same old films yeah that they did that's the glory of public domain too yeah yeah <laughs> just exploiting things that you know are for free <laughs> <laughs> pretty much but yeah that was that's what we're doing this week we're going to talk with Gordeval, and uh i don't think really much more needs to be said about him here that he's not going to cover uh <laughs> i think before we get to the to the interview with dick dizel aka Gordeval, i gotta remind everybody to visit steven crypto show on patreon patreon.com slash steve crypto and we have the merch shop 
over on Etsy. Just get on there and search Steven Crypto. And we got t-shirts, mugs, magnets, all kinds of stuff. Um, you can always support us by sharing our show and our post on social media. He's CryptoZoo88. Um, the Steve Strout. That's on Instagram and Twitter. And then we have a Facebook group for the show. It's the Stephen Crypto Show podcast. Just search that and the group will pop up. And where can we find our special guest hosts on social media? Everywhere. I'm the easiest person to find and follow because there's only one of me on Twitter where I am actually J underscore Tranchel, T-R-A-N-C-H-E-L-L. And that's the same way you'll find me on the web, www.tjtranchel.net which is a place you can find events that I'm doing as well as purchase copies, signed copies of my four books up until number five comes out in October. Also, I would just like to say that if you wear a Stephen Crypto shirt, you are automatically at least 15% sexier than you were before. Like that's that's a low range. Some of you may be like, 30 to 45 percent sexier than you were before but at least 15 percent it just kind of automatically bumps you up that's a fair number the hats even the hats are even better oh the hats are great to put all your pins on like even non-steven crypto pins it's okay because that's what i did (laughs) all my pins are on the hat nice nice well it's a good thing you're uh you're already married because if you wear that hat out in public as a single oh, man. man, you'd be in trouble. You'd be you know, in trouble. My wife's pretty tough. She's a roller derby girl, yeah. so she'd she'd keep me safe. But yeah, yeah, she, better, she don't, better not. She don't let that. you wear it out the house, though. No, no, <laughs> not that one. It's got a nice <laughs> spot right here in the office. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, let's jump into the conversation with Dick Dizel, and he'll tell us all about. Account Gord of all. Excellent. Excellent. Ah, my lords and ladies, Lord Bloodraw here, and you are listening to the Steve and Crypto Show. Now, if you're a horror fan, you know this is the place to be. Ha ha! You are listening to the Steve and Crypto Show. (laughs) I am Hank, the world's greatest, the host of Death by DVD. I'm Linnea, and I like Death by DVD. It's a statement. And I'm in your house. So, once you finish listening to this episode and download three more... Head on over to www.deathbydvd.com where there are over 130 blood-soaked episodes all about your favorite horror, exploitation, cult, and psychotronic movies available to stream and download for your listening displeasure. I hope you enjoy this episode of the Steve and Crypto Show and remember to start locking your back door.
I'm Mr. Lobo of Cinema Insomnia, and you're listening to the Steve and Crypto Show. Or are you? Hey, we're on the Steve and Crypto Show with a guest that I'm very excited about. Somebody I've been talking to a while about coming on the show. Um, I did a Q&A with him a few years back on thestevestrout.com when I did the original Horror Host Profile series. But now we have the icon here himself. Well, a close friend of him, I guess we could say. Yeah. We have Dick Dizel, the man who portrays the legendary Count Gordeval. Actually, I assume he portrays him. He looks a bit like him. <laughs> He's a little more, a little more color in his face. Yeah, that's but true. but um, we're here at uh, Dick Dizel. He's been in showbiz for long time way long too time. many years way too many years too many is it really you, too many though you realize that february 3rd of next year will be the 50th year marks the 50th year since my first broadcast in washington wow now is this as the as, count, the count. Or is this, okay. as the count yeah yeah uh, I mean, I was in Washington a, about six, seven, eight months before that, but it took us that long to get the management convinced that this would be a good move. And I had to fight hard, and I won. Yeah, you had to you had to fight to get them to actually let you do the horror host thing. And what's surprising, I didn't ask for any more money. It was like, I'm going to give you this. And they still were reluctant. So at that point, you were actually doing three gigs at once mm-hmm. at one time. Yeah. That's wild. That's work. So the, the character actually originated before the DC move, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, actually, I, uh, I did a character, which I, I stole the name off of a piece of film. Uh, M.T. Graves, M. period T. period Graves. Turns out M.T. Graves was a famous uh, horror host in Miami. I didn't know that. I was in Paducah, Kentucky at the time. We were putting a new station on the air, and they they said, uh, I, I, you know, we saw this film clip go up. M.T. Graves, or there was this company was selling um, movie intros, and up came Night of Night of Terror with M.T. Graves. I said, Hey. Let's have a hosted horror movie. And the general and the general manager said, you're hired. And I said, how much more am I going to get paid? He goes, nothing. Have another beer. Um, <laughs> so I did. And uh, but so we did that. Actually, the first time I did a vampire was actually prior to that. I was working for the same station. It was a radio station at the time. And um, uh, a young lady I knew who worked for the parks department uh, said, hey, look. Uh, oh, by the way, at the time. This is 1970, 1971, 1970. So it was kind of, people had, you know, wore strange clothes. I, 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 my girlfriend had made me a cape. Uh, So I walked around town with a cape on. So I was the guy with the cape and she, she came up there and she says, Hey, we're having this, this Halloween thing, this haunted, uh, haunted walk through the, the park. And we need someone to scare the kids when they cross over this bridge. And you got a cape. You could be a vampire or something. And I said, oh, what the heck? Why not? So I uh, kind of 
put some makeup on. I didn't know anything about makeup, put the cape on and scared some kids. So that's how I got started. <laughs> and if I remember when we did the Q&A, you mentioned that the whole, this started that the MP Graves uh, started, you guys just having over pizza and beer. Yeah, well, that, that's what happened. Yeah, yeah we, we were sitting, the station hadn't gone on the air yet. We were sitting there drinking beer and eating pizza watching these movie opens with the general manager and he was looking for a you know feedback and that's when i blurted out we need a horror host and that's when he said you're hired uh but that's okay you know were, were you were you like seriously pitching the idea or was that no, you just no 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 no, and, no, yeah. no I, I was i was half looped you know <laughs> i mean we've been at this for like three four hours i believe the three of us went through a case of beer come on folks i mean i even in my youth i wasn't able to hold it that well <laughs> <laughs> that's good um, no, but, but you know what i like the character i like the idea i grew up with i grew up with uh, marvin in chicago on wbkb channel seven when i was a kid and um, well, that's when the first generation horror host came out in 57. And I thought that was cool to be, you know, hosting horror movies. Um, and so I thought it'd be kind of fun. Uh, they bought me a coffin. I thought that'd be kind of cool. <laughs> Actually, funny story. Funny story. I don't know if I, if, stop me if I, no, don't stop me. No, you keep going. <laughs> um, we had just, we still hadn't gone on the air yet. But the sets had, ar had arrived and my coffin was back in the prop area. So I was, it was late one night and I tended to hang around this. The, I was on still on radio and I was hanging out with the guys and we were, I don't know what. And I, I got says, yeah, I'm going to go take a little nap. So I went back in the, in the, and I opened the coffin, put myself in, closed the lid and took a little siesta. And suddenly I'm hearing voices. And it's the co-owner of the, of the station with his wife. And I'm hearing him going, well, honey, this is our prop area. And there's the coffin that Dick's going to get out of when we host horror movies on Saturday night. I'm going, oh, shit. <laughs> don't open the lid. <laughs> <laughs> George, don't open the lid. And I'm just laying there as quiet as I can be. And he says, yeah, he's going to just come out, open the lid. He opens the lid, and I'm going, hi. <laughs> and she goes, yeah! <laughs> That's great. And I said, see, George, it works. <laughs> so was it was it weird the first time you hopped in the coffin? No, no. no? I, 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 have, uh, I have no fear of small places. Matter of fact, when I was in college a couple of years beforehand, I used to be a spelunker. We used to go digging around in caves in southern Illinois, which is riddled with caves so we'd go cave exploring and it, it was you know that never bothered me is it, is it comfortable in there uh not initially no i mean the, the 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 basic pine box is a pine box that back in the day and this would have been back in 1970 they put some straw in the bottom and I think to put straw on the bottom for a couple of reasons. One, just to cushion the body when it goes in. But sometimes I am told that the corpse will leak liquids and that they put the, and the, the straw will kind of absorb it. But uh, eventually we put a lot more straw in to make it more comfortable. Eventually we took the straw out and put in foam rubber uh, just to make it a little more comfortable getting in and out of. Not too much though. 
because right. you want to have some leverage. You want to, you don't want to be able to, you, what, at one point at, when, in Washington, we had one of our sponsors was Waterbed Ed. <laughs> and, and he, he Waterbed, so Waterbeds. And of course, this again is the 70s. Actually, this was the 80s. Uh, anyway, so he built a waterbed in my coffin and it was ridiculous. I couldn't get out because it was going wow, wow, wow. That's good. That's funny. So it's safe to assume that at this point, you probably don't have like some fancy memory foam <laughs> lined coffin or something. Actually, the, I have a very fancy coffin. The new, the new coffin actually is, I, 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 I can't tell you how many thousands of dollars the list price of it was. It's a solid maple. It's incredibly heavy. Um, my favorite coffin was the one I had before this. This is the one I had the longest, which was a black metal coffin, which was really cool because metal coffins are light. So the lid's light to open it up. Um, and you can, you get my, if, if I, I could actually go to a personal appearance in the coffin uh, and my crew could carry me very easily. Uh, this thing, the, the, the lid on this thing is, is almost 80 pounds. I mean, it's ridiculous. Wow. Um, but, uh, and it's a deep coffin. And I didn't realize they came in different depths. And I was wondering why for the longest time I was having trouble getting out. And that's because I was way down. I'd, I Normally I would just kind of sit up and then just sort of flop up, flip my legs over, except I had to push up and kind of, I, matter of fact, I, I just recently raised the bottom up. We have, I have a, I have about a, an inch, inch and a half inch pad, not memory foam, but pad in there. So it's comfortable. Uh, and then, so, yeah. So that's, that's like, I guess that probably keeps you in shape, huh? <laughs> Climbing in well, out I of do, the coffin. <laughs> I, I, I do tend to stay in shape. And matter of fact, to get, to get in and out of the coffin, yes, you do have to stay in shape. <laughs> Let's face it. These things are designed to go in, not to come out of. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's a good good point. Yeah. We don't really need people starting to come out of them, that's for sure. That's true. Besides Concord of all, of course. Yeah. Well, you know, that's the one thing that always bothered me about zombie movies. Let me get I'm I'm segueing into something here. This is I'm taking over here. You're good. Um, you might guess. That's fine. We bounce around all the time. But I mean, so. you, know, you, you know, you look at Night of the Living Dead, you look at all these zombie movies, you look at all these movies about the dead coming back, and there's something totally wrong. You look, go to us any cemetery in, the, in America today for the past 70 years, more than that. By law, bodies are buried in coffins and the coffins are put into concrete vaults when they're put into the ground. So the ground doesn't fall in when the coffin deteriorates. And so you have, so, so the, the, you, they can cut the grass. So if a zombie wanted to get out, first of all, you got to open the coffin. So you got a coffin, except you can't open it up because you're in a concrete box which is now covered by six feet of dirt, you can't get out. So ain't no way. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so we're, we'll have to worry about the, the fresh ones that reanimate rather than the buried ones. Well, if, yeah. they, if they, if they reanimate before they get in the grave, that's another story altogether. But once they're buried there, man, they're staying there. They're not getting out. Yeah. Now, 
if you look, if you go back to the old old way where they're just in a a crypt, you know, a coffin inside a mausoleum. Well, that's a different story. Yeah. Hey, boom! Those old guys, you know, like Dracula, man, he could come out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you, that's funny you mentioned Night of Living Dead. You were the first horror host to uh, air an, an uncut, unedited version, weren't you? Yes, I was, and it was not intentional. No. <laughs> this, this, okay, let me let me give you a little. People don't understand back in the day on how, how film worked on TV. Basically, film studios sent out actual reels of 16 millimeter film. They called it, they put it on the bicycle, the bicycle around station to station. So say uh, we were going to show, uh, say Face of Saturn, okay? So say I was gonna show uh, uh, Night of the Living Dead tonight. Okay, the film wouldn't arrive until Thursday. That's the first time we would see the film. The film would come in and then it would go right to the film room. I couldn't watch it because it had to go to the film room where they would literally take it and cut it and splice in commercials, film commercials. And then, then once they, all that was done, then they would time it. The time would go to the traffic department. The traffic would put the times in and the commercial breaks and so forth and so on into the log that would get printed off. I would never see the film. So, but what happens is at that, during that period of time, the most studios had theatrical prints, which were probably PG 13 to R. And then they had television prints, which were all PG. Okay. Well, what happened was we got a theatrical print of Night of the Living Dead. They got shipped down to the film department. They took one look at this and said, whoa, wait a second. There's some stuff in here we've never seen before. So the program director came up to me and says, uh, hey, Dick, how would you like to uh, show Night of the Living Dead unedited? And I go, I didn't know it was edited. I mean, seriously. I mean, I, never, I didn't get to see it ahead of time. He said, well, yeah, it, this is the unedited version. I says, well, why not? He said, I said, are, you gonna, are we going to get into trouble with the FCC? He said, your show goes on at 11 o'clock. All those old guys, they're in bed at nine. Forget it. They're not going to see this stuff. So I said, okay, let's show it. So we did. <laughs> it was, you know, no, we got, we had no, no, no kickback on that. We had two days to promote the unedited version of Night of the Living Dead. Two things were removed, were put back into the film for the theatrical, or two things were taken out. Remember, remember the scene where uh, the one scene where you have a bunch of the, they weren't zombies at that time. They were ghouls, ghouls yep. the ghouls. And there was this one naked lady. You could see her bare butt. Yep. That was cut out for TV. You couldn't show a bare butt on TV. No cracks permitted. Okay. The other thing was, remember when they're at the gas pump and the thing explodes and afterwards the ghouls are in there and they're digging through and they're pulling up the intestines and stuff and eating them. Yep. Bingo. That got cut out. Those are the only two things that were cut out. It was not no big deal as far as horror fans go. Come on folks. So uh, I mean, everyone's seen a butt. I mean, who cares? I mean, so anyway, so, so yeah, anyway, but it was cool. We get advertising. Hey, I showed it the unedited version. <laughs> So you guys did did uh, advertise it? 
Oh yeah. Leading up but, to but, it. Like, but, yeah. but it was only for a couple of days because again, the films only arrived before we, we yeah. could do uh, which was, which made it a little bit difficult or interesting trying to host horror movies. Cause sometimes I wasn't familiar with the film and they would, they would have a, a big book, basically a summary book. And it would be, and I would, they give it to me and say, okay. I said, I say, Oh, what's this movie about here? Here's the big book. And there'd be three lines, scary monster eats people killed, gets killed at the end. Okay. Well, that tells me. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> at which point then you'd have to riff off the, uh, the title. I mean, you'd say, okay, let's play with the title. Or since we were in Washington, uh, probably too many times I, I ripped off the uh, political situation of the time, which means that we couldn't rerun them very often because uh, actually we they, couldn't rerun them at all because we never become dated. Yeah. Come to think of it, before 1984, we didn't save any film, any 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 of these segments, or very few, because we had a very limited a supply of tape back then. Two-inch helical tape, which is what was used to record on, uh, was three hundred dollars an hour, and that's three hundred dollars in nineteen seventy dollars, nineteen seventy-two dollars. That was a lot of money, and the general manager gave us um, basically we had two one two one-hour reels, and we'd go in, we'd record once a month, and we record basically four movies, and we had to fit them on those two reels, and that was all we had. Bingo. Way, then we record over them. It's way different than now with all the digital and all that stuff. It's crazy. It's yep. it's it's cool. I mean, it's definitely more work, more labor intensive back in the day. I feel like um, same. It's it's cool hearing the stories about how it all worked, but at the same time, it's really. A bummer because all that footage just lost it would be so amazing to see it all now yeah uh we it started in 76 when three quarter inch came in three quarter inch dramatic cassettes we started saving some of them on three quarter inch our chief engineer absolutely refused to let us air any of it he said it is not does not meet fcc standards who cared uh <laughs> So we, but we did save some of it, but there's stuff from the seventies. There's not much eighties starting in the eighties. We went to one inch and uh, it was cheaper and uh, we saved a lot of it. Matter of fact, I have all of the footage we shot from 1980, 1984 through 1987. And it's been transferred and it is being stored by the Library of Congress in Culpeper, Virginia, in a nuclear-proof shelter, <laughs> believe it or not. <laughs> it's being archived. They, at the time, they said they were, they were, they were under uh, orders to archive local television production. And they came to me and said, you got tape? And I got, I got lots of tape. They just took it all, and they transferred it all and brought it back to me. I said, thank you. So. You know, 10,000 years in the future, they'll go through there, they'll come up with these reels, and there I'll be. Yeah. You'll still be doing the show, right? Still be doing it. <laughs> I'm Roku. Um, is there ever any, like, plan to to release any of that in any way? 
a lot of the stuff has been released. I mean, yeah. we, we've shown stuff. Matter of fact, the whole uh, classic series of which actually there's only there's only there's six, maybe seven of the classic series uh, I've released. Part of the problem is releasing not the footage, but releasing the movies. Um, a lot of uh, we when and we're on broadcast, we weren't worried whether the movie was in public domain. The station paid for the rights to show the movie. Uh, so basically, right now, I could I could only show movies that were host, host movies that I hosted that are currently in public domain. Right. And so there's there's only like six or seven of them that that uh, that they go back to those days. Right. So um, about the the process of putting together a show, I ah. guess uh, leaning towards currently, like how how do you approach uh, the film, like, do you watch it a couple times and just kind of write, take notes as you go through, and then decide here's where we're going to cut in, here's where we're going to cut in? Or, um, actually, it's 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 a little more convoluted. Um, I get I, I because we are producing many months in advance now, um, because of uh a variety of situations concerning the conditions of our studio as far as temperature goes. Um, I, 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 first of all, I have to find one public films that are really in the public domain because I don't want to have anyone send me a cease and desist letter. And frankly, since I don't make any money off of the show, I can't afford to pay the rights to show non-public domain movies unless someone says, oh, we'll let you do it and then I will. All right, so so I look at, I find out what's available and there's quite a bit available. Some of it fell through the cracks. Some of it is legitimate, uh, long old that, that, yeah, there's a variety of ways to determine it. Anyway, so then I look at, the, I look at one of the title, I look at the content of the film, what the, what the, what the uh, plot of the film is. And then I say, what do I feel like I wanna do? And sometimes I will, again, uh, just riff on the title. Sometimes I will riff on the, the content of the movie. Sometimes I don't try, I don't do a mystery science theater 3000 where I'm going to make fun of the film. Because even, I mean, there's only like three or four movies that I just think really are, there's, they're beyond salvation. Um, <laughs> uh, the Beast of Yucca Flats. Manus, the hands of fate. Um, those are two that come right off the top of my head. Um, and you know, so so I won't sometimes I'll ignore the film and say, if it particularly if it's a world fate, world famous events going on that, that need to be addressed. Um, you know, so basically you kind of approach it as if you're doing a monologue uh, for a, for a, in a comedy club. Sometimes, sometimes, uh, sometimes I'm try to be informative. Um, right now, we have a couple of new movies that just fell into the public domain. Uh, one of them, uh, House by the uh, Cemetery, uh, actually, it's going up uh, tonight. Um, it's Lucio uh, Fulci's uh, one made in America film. Um, although he used Italian actors, uh, everyone speaks English, although they. It, <laughs> Like so many foreign films, everyone spoke English and then they went and overdubbed it anyway. So it doesn't make any difference. Uh, 
but so so we'll talk about sometimes the, the trivia of the film. I mean, sometimes it's very fascinating to find out what really was going on in the background of these films. Uh, there was a lot of lot of stuff going on in the background of uh, uh, Theater of Blood with uh, Vincent Price and Diana Rigg. Um, Matter of fact, there was a whole scandal going on. He was about ready to dump his first wife during the making of the movie. So anyway, I mean, things like that going on. Sometimes it's just, it, it just what I think will work. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. If it works, I keep it. If it doesn't, we'll do something else the next time. So, um, like you said, you go with what works. What, what doesn't work, you cut. Are there any points where you like, when you're filming, do you, improvise something and it turns out better than what you initially wrote and you're like all right we're going with this yeah oh yeah a lot of times because you have to understand that most of the time i don't I, nothing is really scripted it's formatted so the format will be like open uh, gore comes out of the coffin uh gore talks about uh, the background of the movie or gore mentions the fact that there is a scandal or gore does this uh maybe make some bullet points that I want to touch so I don't forget them and go to movie. I mean, that's pretty much it. We do, since we don't have, since I never have had and don't have any side characters, there's never any kind of this that we have to script out. Uh, we had one, back in the eighties, I had one guest come on and she was an actress and she was a, a theatrical actress. So she, she actually showed up with a script in, in hand. She walks into the studio and said, here, here's a script for the show. And it's about, you know, that thick. <laughs> I said, we're, we're, we're rolling tape in 20 minutes. She says, well, memorize it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. I said, well, how about if we do it this way? I read the script, and then we throw it away, and then we do it. So I read the script and I, I, I knew where she wanted to go. And we just, we just took it from there and it worked out okay. But uh, there's very rarely any script per se. So it's, it's all formatted with ideas, concepts and bullet points. And then we take it from there. Um, and that's the way I've always done it. So generally, uh, how long does it take to, to produce an episode for you guys? I mean, is it, is it pretty quick or I mean, do you have a lot of hiccups or, I mean, you've been doing it a while, so you probably know the, Got the a format. Good system. Yeah. Yeah. Well, once we get into studio, uh, it's, it's fast. I mean, uh, there are very few times when we actually have to stop and redo anything. Uh, usually it's usually a, a technical problem or it's a, it's a, my mouth doesn't work problem. <laughs> <laughs> i have that from time to time i get it <laughs> yeah you know uh uh you know sometimes i'll get words like well this is this is a uh organic and instead of organic it'll be orgasmic and i'm going no wait a second we shouldn't do that <laughs> yeah, wrong movie wrong movie back that up take two <laughs> but uh no so it go it goes pretty fast um I don't, I don't like to waste time in the studio. Now, if we're doing some stuff where we've got some special effects or we're having cutaways, uh, sometimes, and, and we're, or we're doing a green screen, occasionally we'll do a, I have a, a huge, I have a 20 foot wide, 12 foot high green screen. Uh, I mean, we can do huge amounts of special effects on the green screen. I don't do it that, that often because frankly, 
that'll take a whole session just to set it up to do like one movie if we're doing green screen. And, um, but, uh, you know, so basically we, we, I, I, I like to be efficient. Uh, I like, I like to, uh, matter of fact, they used to say that at no, no time, no time did Dick ever stop. It just kept right on going. You know, we just roll with the punches. <laughs> do you have a, a personal preference, um, in the movies that you show like is there like a, a style of horror that you really enjoy creature features or you know something like that slasher or whatever is there something you really like when you're your having when you're having to deal with public domain you don't have a whole lot of choice yeah the list isn't very I, long i mean no well, actually it's, it's it's moderately long i mean i think there's probably unless i checked there were about 75 films that every horror host in the world is showing uh Occasionally, we can find. Occasionally, we'll get a we'll get a producer that comes to me and says, "You know, Dick. Oh, I just had it. Oh, Jimmy O uh, uh, came to me and he says, you know, Dick, uh, how would you like to show Chainsaw Sally?' Now, Chainsaw Sally was an independent film made in Baltimore in the early two thousands. Uh, the Count had a, a, a cameo role in, in it. They kept mentioning him, and every time there was a TV in the background, he would be on the TV." And they would keep mentioning the count was, although he didn't have a speaking role as far as the script went. Anyway, so Jimmy says, how would you like to show it? I said, I'd love to show it. So we, we did. Uh, and that was cool. Uh, so that was not public domain, but it was with the consent of the producer. And actually, he made another movie available to me. Unfortunately, it was, uh, it would have been NC-17 and I felt uncomfortable with it. Uh, at least one scene in it and we talked about it and he didn't want to cut it and i said i can't i can't i can't do it but that's that's okay you know but but we have we have we have uh, double d avenger was one of the ones that came up uh william winkler allowed me uh uh there was another one of his films that we've shown a couple times but uh but do i do i have a preference um gosh you know I'm a, I'm, I like old school horror, uh, tight style horror. I like a lot of atmosphere. Uh, I like spooky atmosphere. Uh, so, you know, the few Hammer films that are out there that are available, uh, some of the Corman films that were the better Corman films uh, uh, where you had, uh, uh, you know, great costumes. Uh, the script may be a little weak, the acting may be, but it you know, got to the point. So, uh, I'm not much, frankly, I'm not much into slashers. I mean, I, 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 I enjoy watching a good slasher film, but I, I wouldn't, you know, because I wouldn't do slasher theater. I mean, <laughs> nothing with slasher films. I like, I like a variety. I also like, and I get, I get some grief about this. I like um, scary movies and I don't care what genre they're in. And I get, I just had someone just really just berate me for this. I said, uh, I said, they said, what's your favorite horror movie? And I said, well, I don't, answer that question i'll say my favorite scary movie and it was your favorite scary movie i said alien because alien is truly scary uh, so yeah, yeah. that's not a horror movie that's a science fiction movie you can't do that no, that's oh. it's both yeah, no, it's, it's kind of rise that fence yeah. yeah yeah although i was actually drummed out of a science fiction convention for showing up in a vampire costume and i was a guest they said, you have no business here. I mean, these, are, these are people paying admission to be there. Get the hell out of here. And I'm like, oh, okay. It's like, 
okay, I mean, whatever. Show me a science. I mean, so show me a science fiction movie that is worth its salt that doesn't have some scares in it. Well, and the atmosphere itself is scary, even if they're not intending for it to be a scary movie. Yeah. You know, just like being out in space itself is kind of scary enough. Oh, I mean, look, most frankly, I think most people are claustrophobic. Imagine, imagine being stuck in a tin can where you couldn't leave and knowing that there is this acid dripping monster after you and you have nowhere to go. Yeah. How much scarier can you be? That's worse than a monster under the bed. Come on. And it, and it scares the hell out of you and you barely even see the thing. <laughs> yeah. And not to mention the fact you got to, you know, bursting out of somebody's chest. <laughs> you know, like, wow. <laughs> so um, ha have you stumbled upon anything new that you actually happen to like? I mean, I know you said you enjoy a lot of classic horror, um, but just have you, you know, maybe while streaming or, or, you know, hanging out with at home or whatever, have you found anything that, that you were surprised by that you enjoyed? Well, actually, uh, uh, and, I, and, I, and I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling very, very bad here because I'm, I'm struggling right now to come up with titles. Um, there was a, The Conjuring was one film that really I loved. I really enjoyed The Conjuring. I, I yeah. thought that was good. I thought the first Saw movie was intriguing. Uh, unfortunately, I realized as soon as it was, it was over that they were going to stretch this one out to the point that it was going to, you know. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I, I, I was very disappointed in Spiral, which, of course, was the last attempt at the, uh, the Saw movies. Um, I really wanted to like that one. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm with you. Um, what was, oh, gosh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm blanking. Um, I do this all the time. <laughs> I usually rely on him to have the memory. The guy, the guy was in a captured in a house. Oh, it was about four years ago. Um, and he, I, I, I'd have to look up the IMDb. I'm sorry. I'm, yeah. But oh, there yeah. were there were a number there were a number of ones that that come that have come out that I thought were pretty decent. Um, uh, oh, you know, go back to classics though. I mean, the, the one that the the Evil Dead. I mean, come on. Oh, That's one of my top favorites. Fun. Yeah, I mean, come on. That's fun. <laughs> Bruce Campbell. Who likes Bruce Campbell? Me. Let me tell you, let me tell you a Bruce Campbell story. Back in the late 90s, I was invited to this convention in, um, in Baltimore. And uh, Bruce Campbell was one of the guests. And it was held in this hotel, it was the Marriott at the airport. And this was not a great convention hotel. This was just a hotel. And they said, uh, we want the count to host the costume competition. I'm going, where's it going to be held? In the lobby. In the lobby. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to have Bruce Campbell help you. He's agreed to this? Well, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> 
make a long story short, we get into this lobby of this Marriott Hotel and there is this crowd of people. We have no stage, no, no, no flow, whatever. And Bruce, being the trooper that he is, joined me, no microphone, no PA system. And we drove our voices to the point of losing them and did this. We did it the second year the same way. So Bruce and I go back to these conventions, but I've always liked him. I've liked his movies. Uh, I, I was a big fan of Briscoe County Jr. Um, and so we're doing this one convention. Now, this is several years later. Now the conventions meandered up to the Hunt Valley in, uh, in suburban Maryland, uh, uh, suburban Baltimore. And um, he's now a big deal. Bruce is now a big deal. And uh, he's now an A celeb, and I'm still Concord of all. And um, so I'm, but I'm still hosting these horror uh, costume contests. Anyway, so so it's Saturday night, and I am dying. I hadn't had anything to eat all day, and I just need a quick bite of something. I've got like a half hour before I have to be in the big hall where we're going to have a hundred cost contestants put across a stage and I've got to coordinate all this. So I go to the restaurant, the restaurant's full, no seating. I go to the bar, the bar is full. There's no place. They said, well, there is a small table out here in the hallway. I said, I'll take it. So they bring out and bring me out a menu. I'm in full costume and I'm out in this hallway. Now I'm at the hallway, the bar's over here. I can see the bar and over here is the entrance to the restaurant. I don't care. I don't care what's going on. I'm just focused. I need to get some food, inhale it and get the heck out of there. So I'm doing that. And I'm saying, just please, no one bother me. I just need to get this done. So the food comes out real quick and I'm starting to eat and I see my peripheral vision, this hulking figure coming from the restaurant to me. You know, I like fans. I really do like people. I love fans, but I needed to eat. And it's getting closer. It's getting closer. And he's getting closer. And I'm going I'm to ignore it. Maybe he or she's going to go away. And then finally, there's big hands on my shoulder. And he says, hey, Count, it's great to see you again. And I look up and there's Bruce Campbell. He was eating in the restaurant, having a nice meal at a real table. And he saw me out here by myself and came out to say hello. Fanboy moment. I was just, I'm going, come on. Has there been any point where you were kind of uh, starstruck by somebody you're talking to? To approach because I'm kind of starstruck. Uh, one of them was um, Gates McFadden. I had a crush on her. Oh. Right. Um, I've only been turned down by one interview, by one celebrity for an interview three times. Oh, um, and that was, what's his name? Oh, I knew you were going to, I knew this was going to come up. Um, <laughs> uh, the reanimator. Oh, oh, uh, Jeff Combs. Yeah. Jeff Combs three times. He turned me down and I don't understand why. But that's that. Actually, I have stopped doing at conventions the interviews because, frankly, now I'm a a a B plus 
person at these conventions. And it's, I've been told it's not cool, cool for me to do that. There are people who go around and do the podcasts and video casts and all that, that do this. And I should just shut up and sit down and sign autographs and then be interviewed by them. So uh, I am looking forward in late June or no, July, July, uh, Scares of Cares in Williamsburg, Virginia. I'm going to be reunited with longtime convention cohort D. Wallace. And oh, she, cool. D, D and so I. Sweet. Yeah, yes. she's, she's, a, she's a sweetie. Uh, she was one of the first people I interviewed. Uh, there you go. I decided that if I'm going to interview celebrities, we got to do it right. And now this is when, this was a long time ago when people, they weren't making quite as much money from selling stuff. I'm just, reality is set in. So here's what I would do. I'd say, come on up to my room and I have my room set up. We have two chairs. We have some good wine, some snacks. We'd have lights set up, two cameras and come on up and we'll do an interview. And that's how I used to start off doing interviews. But the problem was after a couple of years of this, they realized that they were going to be, especially if they have a little wine, they're going to be up there a while. And they're not going to be making as much money so, because they're going to be away from their table. Yeah. So that went away. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah. So, but, but Dee is one of my first interviews. And uh, we, I, every time I see her, it's, it's just always light. She's just a wonderful person. I can't wait to see her again. I met her, met her a few years back at a convention. And she was just so, um, she made you feel like you weren't, just a fan at, at the convention. She made you feel like you were like an old friend. Mm -hmm. She's just very, you know, hugs for everybody and just she takes time with everybody and it's it's awesome. She you know who cool. else? You know who else is a real is Michael Berryman. Oh my God. Another amazing, wonderful person. And when he was alive, Sid Haig, absolutely. Yep. Uh, yeah. uh Kane Hodder is another another one that he's fun. Just yeah. a wonderful yeah. guy. Um, there were a few people I had to coerce, not coerce, really talk into doing interviews. Uh, and then I'm a, I'll be honest with you. I'm a pretty good interviewer. I, 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 I was a, a newspaper report or not newspaper, but a TV radio news reporter for a while. And I know how to talk with people and I know how to listen, which is important. Um, and I've done some really good interviews and I've had people actually thank me afterwards for, you know, the job I did because it worked out. Okay. Uh, what's his name? Um, it'll come to me. I was thinking about blank. Ooh, father, son duo. Oh, I don't come to me. anyway. There were there were there were a couple of people that actually came up after me. Matter of fact, one guy and I, I, I could I, I wish I could remember his name. I interviewed him. He came down. He was hungover and he didn't want to do it. But his father, it was there. I just interviewed him. He insisted on it, and the interview went on for more than a half hour because it just it just flowed. And he was just I saw him in Seattle. I was at terminal 
I missed in an airport. He came through with his entourage because he was on his way to Vancouver to film. And he stopped, he goes, he recognized me out of costume and came over and chatted, chatted me up. And I'm going, whoa, this is kind of cool. So yeah, it's kind of fun. <laughs> we lost somebody. Uh-oh, did we? Yeah. Steve? Oh no. Oh no. What happened? Hold on. I'll well, send him a message. There was this there was this guy saying brains. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, he said keep it going. All right. Yes, please. Yeah, yeah. So um Mark Shepard. Mark Shepard. That's the guy. Oh, that's the name. Okay. Mark Shepard. I came back to you. Yes. And Good. his father, uh, who just recently died, who was a very classical uh British actor who did lots of Shakespeare, but also did a lot of science fiction. Um, Father, son, yeah, they were they were great interviews. Loved loved them. Great, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's nice when you can actually have a decent conversation, and it doesn't seem like like the the questions are robotic. You know, if it's like if it's organic, and it just feels natural. And, I don't know. It just makes you feel like the listener. Well, at least if you're listening, it makes you feel like you're in the room with them. And yeah, well, the, I think you hit it. You actually got it. It's got, I think an interview has got to be conversational. Yeah. Uh, the biggest mistake of early, you know, people starting this thing is they come in with a list of questions. Wrong. Yeah. You should have, you should know, you should know the person you're dealing with at least enough that you can understand what they're saying and then take your cue from what they're saying. If they have nothing to say, then go on to a, maybe a, a question, but you know, a, that, 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 a totally new question. But most of the time, yeah. if, you get, if you get a conversation going, people are really happy to talk about uh, their work and what they're doing and their career and what, how wonderful they are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like to um, have a list. I like to have a, a few questions and like points that I want to attempt to hit. But go. I let the conversation go. And a lot of times, you know, you, yeah, I'll have a question and you'll start answering it and it'll trigger something better, like a exactly better point or topic to bring up. And, and it just, yeah, just like to let it go, improvise yeah. a little. Yeah. If you're listening, then, you know, you'll, you'll, come up with questions along the way and, and it shows that you're paying attention to who you're interviewing yeah and on often they're better than the ones you might have come up with ahead of time that's that's true that's true so now look at look down there at the list of questions you had for me and hit your couple <laughs> you go, um, let's see here. well i was going to bring up uh when we're talking about celebrities if you're ever able to catch back up with with Forey ackerman after his appearance you know, I it, it it was stupid of me for feeling the way I did. Yeah. But I I I after we did the Forey Ackerman interview on on the show, and maybe for, for for people who aren't aware of it, I'm doing a show. I'm hosting a movie, The Brain That Wouldn't Die. A good friend of mine, who's a personal friend of Forey Ackerman, says, "Hey, Forey's in town. I'm bringing him over. I want you, you can put him on your show." And I go, "Who?" She's Forey Ackerman. I go, "Who?" She goes, "Famous Monster Magazine." I go, "Okay." And 
I never was into Famous Monster Magazine. I knew I was aware of it. And I, I did not know Forey or know much about him. So she brings Forey to the station and she takes me into the back and gives me a 30 second thumbnail of who he is, what he's doing. And, um, and I go, okay. So I go out and meet him. He's a, he's a wonderful person. And um, we have seven segments of wonderful interview, but it was very obvious that to him that I didn't know what I was talking about. I, now, fortunately, I was able to listen to what he was saying and I was able to pick up enough to follow it. So it's, it wasn't, it was a pretty decent interview, but it's still, I felt really bad. I felt personally bad that I was not prepared. So every time I would see him at a convention, I would nod, say, you know, say hello, but I would stay away because I felt that I kind of ripped him off. And to this day, I think that was really stupid of me. And uh, I do do stupid things every once in a while. Um, we all and I, yeah. I felt really bad in particular because as he, as he was getting near the end, he was suffering from dementia and, it was, and he was having memory problems. And it was, I, I should have been more sensitive to the situation. And I wasn't. Well, I mean, it's still uh, pretty awesome that you did get the time with him and yes. chat with him. That, you know, it's kind of uh, a lot of us younger folks who, who spend a lot of time, I spend a lot of time, you know, uh, researching and reading back all the old stories and getting into all the old, you know, the horror host thing. Growing up, I didn't have a horror host, you know, so I'm learning about yourself and other hosts before you by the little information that's out there mm-hmm. and, and knowing that like uh, Mr. Ackerman was himself a huge fan and he took that fandom and turned it into a, a whole enterprise. You know what I mean? With the yes, magazine and everything. And he became a legend mm-hmm. and that's pretty, pretty cool that you, did get to to have that, like I said, have that time with him. But it, I do learn from my mistakes. So when I met Bob Burns, yep, I took advantage of the situation and tried to befriend him the best I could. And Bob is a wonderful, gregarious person. And his wife is delightful. His late wife, who recently passed, was delightful also. Uh, so in 09, when we were in San Diego at Comic-Con, um, for uh, we were showing every other day is Halloween, which yeah. is the documentary of my career, which by the way is coming out on DVD with a lot of extras. Oh, is it coming the, again? Yeah, for the 50th anniversary, they're coming out with a Blu-ray, which they have so much stuff on it. It's actually a mini doc, secondary mini doc on it. So anyway, but that I don't want to go too far in that. Anyway, so <laughs> so we were there, we were in San Diego, and I insisted that we rent a car and drive up to Burbank and go see Bob. And uh Carlos Borloff, uh, myself, Curtis Prather, who did Every Other Day. I don't think, I don't think Mr. Lobo, Mr. Lobo was, uh, was, was rooming with us. We, we had gotten a, uh, a multi-bedroom suite uh, for the convention. So we split it up and it made it economically feasible. I don't think he went to, to Burbank with us, but we had to see Bob. Got to see his wife, got to see his collection, which is awesome. That's amazing. Uh, And then having learned that, I says, 
there's one person that I really wanted to see talking about horror hosts, and that's Zachary. Because Zachary is the was the last of the major original horror hosts from the 57 shock package. Yeah. And so back like back, I guess around 11 or 12, maybe 13, maybe 12 or 13, uh, I got together with Halloween Jack and Carlos and we drove up to New York and um, we got to actually spend an afternoon with uh, Zachary, John Zachary. Uh, and actually a friend of his has a lot of his set in his, in his basement. So we actually got to see him on his set I've got a, we all got interviews with him and we got, I got him telling some stories and it was awesome. And, you know, so I'm, yeah, I learned my lesson. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're still, still uh, learning those lessons, but we're getting there. People are starting to like us. So, um, for, uh, we've been on here a little while, starting to wind down a little bit before we do, um, you personally, what does it mean to you to actually be a horror host? Oh, wow. There's a couple levels on this. One, it has turned out to be a, a necessary uh, creative outlet for me. Um, frankly, people ask me, when are you going to retire? I mean, I've been doing this for almost 50 years now. And I'm not getting any younger. Um, but I keep saying, why would I retire? Why, why would I retire from what? What would I do instead? I enjoy it. I enjoy entertaining people. Uh, I enjoy the genre. Um, I enjoy meeting people. I can't wait for this pandemic to be over. Um, for, 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 for the last... Well, up until 2020, we were doing live hosted movies at the American Film Institute in Washington. And that was great, rubbing, rubbing elbows with the fans, biting necks and having all that great fun. Uh, we're going back and we're doing the, ho the Horror of Dracula, the Christopher Lee's first Dracula movie, uh, May 28th, assuming that we don't have another significant pandemic event. Um, so we're going to be doing that again. So I enjoy meeting with folks. Uh, I, I really do enjoy people. I miss, I, I've been locked down for two years and I miss it terribly getting out. So, yeah, I mean, it means the, the opportunity to actually meet really good, good people. Uh, I have found that horror fans are generally really nice people. Uh, it was, it, it, it kind of amazed me. Um, yeah, I, 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 Horrifying, which was held up at the Hunt Valley in many, many, many years ago. There was a regular convention and man, for similar wasteland, the same way. I mean, people, you know, you're standing in line and here's this guy and you, you, you say, oh, he's a horror fan. He's dressed in black. He's maybe got piercings and all this. And yet he's saying please and thank you. And he's being polite and he's letting people get in line. You know, and he's, I'm going, you know, you, you, can't, you can't characterize people by the genre of film they enjoy 
it's these are nice people and they are usually very good people and it, they, they get sometimes portrayed poorly and they don't deserve it. Uh, it always turned out to be that the people who did the prank at conventions like set off a fire alarm were just drunk college kids who had nothing to do with horror. They were just stupid. <laughs> so yeah. Very passionate too. Yeah. Yes, they are passionate. And they're good. And you can get a good discussion going on the, the, the pros and cons of a the film, the plot, the, the directors, the actors, and it, they're, they're knowledgeable. So, yeah, huh? it's fun. Very, very. Yeah. We definitely, we definitely love our uh, community. Yes. Yeah, it's great being a part of it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah, it's funny when you know the whole idea about people saying like, "When are you going to retire?" Like, well, you've been doing it for so long; it's such a big part of your life. Like, you know, why would you want to? Why, why would you want to let that go? I mean, you obviously you enjoy it. You know, it makes you happy. Like, it's that's a a funny you, question. And you can still do it. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it 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 does make sense to me. Uh, I, again, I don't, to be frank about it, I, I guess I sort of am semi-retired in the fact that I don't, at this point in my life, I'm not required to, to make a living off of it. I mean, I mean, I really empathize with people like Elvira, who has spent her entire career scraping through the Hollywood system and through Los Angeles, trying to keep a career going in that kind of environment that is so, so brutally competitive. And she succeeded. She's always looking for, she's a good businesswoman. She's always looking for the next thing that can keep her going. And I just think it's awesome. I, I frankly, if I were in that situation, I couldn't do it. I'm, I'm not, I don't have that kind of tenacity. I was very fortunate to be involved in the very end of the age of local entertainment production. And I had a studio behind me and, and then working to support me and what I was doing. Uh, but boy, I'll tell you, the, the freelance people, it's tough. Yeah. Oh, hey, before we uh, wrap up, since we've taken enough of your day kind of caught you in the middle of the afternoon uh what is the best way for fans to continue to follow you okay still watch the show two ways uh we came out with creature feature the weekly web program as the first hosted horror host thing on the internet in 98 it still goes it happens every saturday night uh, somewhere around six o'clock Eastern time, I put it up and it runs for a full week. It's at countgore.com. Uh, we host, I host like this week, I'm putting up um, a house by the cemetery. Like I said, that'll run for two weeks. Next week, I'll put up a, uh, a short, it, that'll stay up for two weeks. Then the next week will be a new video, but it'll be a short video. So they're staggered. Long video, short video. Okay. I like short films. I like promoting new filmmakers because they're the future of the industry. And uh, if you can make a really good, take a story and condense it and get it into a short piece of time. Wow. I, that's awesome. So that, that's there. We have, uh, we have, do have uh, some celebrity interviews on there. 
Uh, we have a, a Dita Dirtnap, who is our Los Angeles person. She uh, reviews uh, culty DVDs. Uh, this week it's Night of the Lepus and uh, Evil Bong. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, we, have a, we, have a, we have an ongoing contest. Uh, some bizarre links to some some bizarre news stories that you might have missed. Um, so that that happens every Saturday night. Uh, so that's the best, that's the easiest way because you can get me on phone, tablet, computer. If you've got a Roku, bingo for the past now almost four years, I've had a Roku channel, Count Gord Duvall presents, and uh, it's a curated channel. It's uh, every at the beginning of the first usually the first day of the month, sometimes depending on Roku, it might be the first or second day. Um, we put up four hosted horror movies. So basically one per Saturday, uh, four celebrity interviews, uh, myself and Todd Stark. Okay. I always mispronounce his name. Uh, Todd's horror nerd. Yeah. Yeah. The horror, horror nerd yeah. does a great job. Anyway, so we, we split that up. He does two, I do two. And then we have two short hosts. I host two short films. So there's 10 videos each set each month. So April's right now, we're halfway through it. And I'm, a matter of fact, when I'm done here, I'm going to go back to that computer and I'm going to start working on the May Roku because it's it's got to be up for their Roku's approval next week. Um, so that's the best, that's the best way to do it. And then if, you, if you're in an area where I'm going to be making appearances, please come on out. Like I said, the 28th of May, I'll be at the American Film Institute in Silver Spring, Maryland with The Horror of Dracula. Uh, that is live hosted. Um, we, have, we start the show off with uh, clips from my TV and internet shows just to get the mood going. Uh, do a short monologue. We bring down guests. We have interactive, usually a contest. This time it'll be a, since there's so much, we're celebrating, by the way, we're celebrating Christopher Lee's 100th birthday, which is the May 27th. Uh, so we're going to do a lot of Christopher Lee trivia. And then we show the movie. And I don't stop the movie. We run it uninterrupted. And then we hang out in the lobby afterwards and just have a great time. Um, and then we'll do Scares That Cares in Williamsburg, Virginia in June. Uh, I'm coming out west. Uh, I'm Right now, I'm booked in... Ooh, I get them confused. Irving, Texas. I've got a convention in Irving, Texas, and there's another one pending in Phoenix. Uh, so we'll be doing some of that. And next year we'll be doing, uh, with the 50th anniversary, we'll be doing more stuff around the country. So that's, that's it. Now you mentioned, uh, you briefly mentioned a DVD with some of your previous content that might be coming out. Any idea? The documentary. Oh, yes. Releasing the documentary. Yeah, the documentary, yes. the documentary, Every Other Day is Halloween. This was produced by Curtis Prather. It's a, it's a 90 minute feature length fe film. It covers... Uh, my career as Bozo Captain 20, but mainly Count Gore Duvall in Washington, uh, and how I re relate to other horror hosts around the country. There's uh, a lot of other horror hosts involved in the production of this. Um, uh, that, that has worked out really well, but um, it's now 10 years, more than 10 years later, and this, you know, I, I'm still working, so Curtis said, let's do something else. So we've... Uh, he was down here in December and we did some more interviews and we found some more footage uh, and newer footage. 
and uh, he's gone to some other horror hosts and some other celebrities to get stuff. So there'll be, he's putting that together. He's also going to have John Dimes, who's a, uh, a Washington area horror host also. Uh, there's a documentary, short documentary on him called Bald Headed Blues. That'll be on that disc. There'll also be for those people who are in from the Washington DC area, the Channel 20 Club Cards, sim uh, a copy of. That was a thing that the Captain 20 did uh, it was very, very popular. It was the way we gave away prizes on the kid shows. Uh, so that's coming out later this fall. I don't have a date yet, but it's, it's basically setting up for the 50th anniversary. And for the 50th anniversary, which will be February 3rd, 2023, we're going to uh, hopefully we'll kick that, do that at the AFI where we did the 40th anniversary. We're also, we also have a commemorative t-shirt for 50 years. Uh, and like I said, I'm hoping to work out with a, a management company to do a national tour uh, and, uh, you know, see what happens. Oh, we'd love to see you get up here to Seattle. That would be... Hey, as I told you, my, my, my childhood best buddies up there. And I, I, I every time, you know, I, I don't get off to the West Coast very often. It's a long yeah. way away. Uh, but yeah. I'd love to get out there. I've got good reason now. There so. you go. If it, looks like you, if it looks like you need any... Uh any help getting something going up here uh reach out we'll definitely do what we can to help and bring a crowd with us and all that good that stuff sounds like, that sounds like an invitation that i shouldn't turn down so i won't <laughs> great well hey uh mr Dizel, thank you for hanging out with us and spending thank your you saturday afternoon and thank you and thank you to your, your your audience for tolerating all my ramblings uh i hope they enjoy it oh, we love it we love uh, it and thank you for thinking of me uh you know absolutely it's uh it, it's it's good to be remembered very cool well, everybody uh dick Dizel, aka bozo the clown captain 20 and the legendary count Gordeball. Okay, wait a second. Let, let, let me do the sign off for all three. As, Bo, as Bozo would say, Wally Kazali, keep on laughing. <laughs> as Captain 20 would say, may you be happy and wins lots of prizes, space buddies. And as the count would say, may all your blood be warm. <laughs> there you go. All three. Thank you. Wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> you can see. I don't know if you can see. I got you hanging up on the wall behind me, actually. Okay. Great. Yeah. Somewhere up there. It, that's my my horror host wall of fame. Excellent. Yeah. Well, it's better yeah. than a wall of shame. Wall of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Hey, this is Dr. Gang Green. You're watching the Steve. No, you're not. You're listening to. You're listening to the Steve and Crypto Show right here on whatever network you're on. I don't know what you're on. Don't ask me. I can't see what you're doing, but keep listening and tune in next week for more cool content on the Steve and Crypto Show. Thanks a million times to Dick Dizel, a.k.a. Count Gordeval, for hanging out. That was quite a treat. Um, I'm honestly still amazed that I had like an hour to chat with like such a legend. You know, that was pretty cool. So make sure you guys go check out his uh, Roku channel and his site. And also, uh, so just support horror hosts. You know, support them. Uh, support my friend Igoro. He's a horror host. Um, I help him with his social media and stuff. So support him. He, he's actually pushing 300 subscriptions on uh, 
YouTube. So find the Igoro Show YouTube channel and subscribe over there and check it out. He's got lots more coming. He's awesome. So yeah, just support Horror Host. It's an ama- It's a. It's a. John Stanley calls it a American folk art, and I agree one hundred percent. So do that. Uh, go get the new issue of Fangoria and see TJ Tranchel's article. Sadly, I haven't picked up one yet, but I'm going to as soon as I get out of town. We don't have a place to get Fangoria in my town, and I'm basically tethered to work. So, yeah, I'll get on that. Got to show my homie some love. Um, Yeah, so thanks, TJ, for the assist at the beginning of the episode. It was good chatting with you. I'm super excited and uh, proud of you for getting an article in there and Look forward to hearing more about your new book in October. With that being said, let's get to this week's horror trivia. Uh, I mentioned last week a little bit that we should come up with like a cool little jingle or something to go into the horror trivia bit. So if you guys got any ideas or anybody makes little uh, spooky sounding music or anything, let us know. Maybe we'll... uh, Get you to hook something up for us. But here's the uh, trivia this week. So, should be a pretty easy one. Remember, if you know the answer, message the Steve Strout or CryptoZoo88. Give us the answer. We will send you some stickers and stuff and put your name in a drawing for a bigger prize. Okay, the question. I'll keep on rambling. Which movie. Does the uh, line Wolfman's Got Nards come from? Wolfman's Got Nards. Name the movie. You guys should know this one. And uh, let's, I guess we're going to wrap up the episode now. You guys got the trivia. You guys got to meet Dick Dizel, a.k.a. Count Gordaval. I think we had a good, good episode. Crypto should be back next week. I know you guys probably missed him. And, uh, yeah, let's wrap it up. Be sure to visit patreon.com slash stevecrypto, buymeacoffee.com slash stevecrypto, visit our Facebook group, join that, get in on the conversation over there. And what else can you do? You can go to our merch, our merch shop on Etsy. Go into Etsy and just search Steve Crypto. I don't, I don't memorize the, uh, whole URL. We need a crypto here for that. He memorizes it. I don't. I'm old. He's the youngster of the the group. So yeah. Do that. And uh, keep listening. We will talk to you guys soon. We've been the Steven Crypto Show. And Crypto will be back. Bye guys.